I should have welcomed back our associate pastor as well. Welcome back, Eddie. Round of applause for Eddie being back with us. Fully ready to get back in the saddle. We're delighted our prayers have been answered. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this beginning. We know that every day is a new beginning with you. We thank you that we can look forward knowing that your presence is a guarantee. We pray, Father, that our focus in the next few moments, about 20 minutes, would be on Christ, on you, on your cross, on your goodness to us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us focus on Jesus, making him center not only of our time here, but of this day and of this new year. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. New format. Obviously, the children were giving our leaders some time off during the break time, so they're in with us. Thank you for your parents, for you parents who are still here nurturing that new generation of leaders in the future. We really appreciate your work, your calling. It's a big mission. Hang in there because time does go quickly and you will be free one day as well. As we go into this new year, I wanted to remind us of some basic things when it comes to choices. First of all, I want to reflect on the fact that before there was an iPhone, who's got an iPhone or a smartphone? Before there was iPads, and before there was iPods, do we still even use those things? There was something else. There was iMessages and iStatements. How many of us know, even know what that is? It's a communication device. iMessage, iStatements. This will be a review for some of you. It might be a revelation for others. But before there was Steve Jobs, there was a man called Thomas Gordon. And Thomas Gordon, back in 1960, developed a communi communication device that people since that time have found incredibly helpful. It wasn't a technical advice, uh, device. It was rather a way of communicating one to another, particularly partners, but it works in every situation. It works like this. Instead of, he brought in this development, instead of our natural inclination, which is to point the finger at somebody else and say things like this, you make me so angry. That is what we call a, a you statement or a you message. You make me feel this. You always do this. You never do that. I'm always having to remind you of these things. Instead of that, which doesn't go very well, I'm speaking from personal experience, he came up with a different way of communicating that he called an I statement or an I message. Better than an iPhone works like this. Instead of that, I own my own stuff. So I don't claim that somebody else makes me, for instance, angry. I may be angry, but I need to acknowledge that and say, I'm angry right now. I'm not sure where it's coming from. I might need to say, I am angry 
because I am hurt. And I can talk about why I'm hurt right now. But I'm bringing it back onto me, which is very important. It's very powerful because I'm not putting it onto you and I'm not pointing the finger and saying it's your problem, it's your fault. I'm not laying the blame. I'm working towards a solution. Sounds simple, but it is revolutionary in its scope if we can stay with it. And I hope we can. And in particular, this month, we want to look at this. In terms of an I message, I choose. God has given me free will, and I have choices, and I need to own my choices. And this month, oh, by the way, next month, we're going to look at I quit. That's an interesting thing about things we need to quit in the new year. But this month, I choose. I can, I can make a decision, and I need to stand by my decision. And it's based on this fundamental biblical or theological principle that all of us actually have the power to choose today, to choose tomorrow, today. Decisions that we make today will impact tomorrow, either in negative ways, bad decision, or in positive ways. We need to own that so we can make informed decisions, powerful decisions that can have an influence not only on our lives, but on the lives in a positive way on other people. Now, the overarching scripture for this, which is also very appropriate to this time of year, is taken from the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. It's chapter 30. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. We're streamlined this morning. I'm only going to do two verses, 19, well, three verses, to 21. But to set that up, it's coming to a time, Moses has been leading them, and he's leading them to a time of renewal of covenant. As Lauren said this morning, this is a good time to renew our commitment to the Lord. And he's leading them into their renewal. God doesn't need to renew his part of the covenant because it's unbreakable, being God. But we, it's good for us to revisit and recognize what we're doing and make some good choices. So, as a lead-up to that, in verse 11 of chapter 30, Moses says this, and it's God speaking through him. Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult. It's not beyond anybody's reach. And he says this, it's not up high in the heavens so that you have to ask, who can ascend to receive this message so that we can obey it? It's not across the seas so you've got to ask, well, who's going to go journeying out and bring this message back to us? Moses said, it's very close. It's in your minds. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. And it's easy. It's an important decision, but it's easily, easy to understand. And then in verse 19, he says this, this day I call on heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you, get this, life, life, and death. Blessings and curse. Now, he said, choose life. It's your choice. Every day we must make this choice. It's a life or death decision. 
that some decisions that we make bring a kind of death to our relationships. If we decide to fix blame rather than fix the problem, it's death to any relationship. There's a number of ways that we can choose death on any given day. But here is what he's saying. Choose life. And on that life side, he writes this. Choose life so that you and your children may live long lives. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold to him, hold fast to him. The Lord is your life. It's very simple, but profound. When he says choose life, He's saying, choose the Lord. He's your life. And he puts it in three simple steps. Love him. We know that Jesus said that that has two components. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And what? And your neighbor as yourself. The whole of the law is contained in this. It's good news. Choose life. Choose that. Not only choose to love him, but choose to listen to his voice. God speaks to us. I believe he speaks to us personally all the time. I try and record what I feel that God's saying to me. I write it down as an iMessage. I think God is trying to tell me this. I test it with Christine. We pray about it every morning. We try and have one time in the beginning where we have coffee and we can pray together. I want to encourage, and I want to encourage men in particular. Some of you guys have heard me uh, banging on about this for quite a while now, and that is, every day, are you praying with your partner? Are you praying for them? Are they praying for you? You need to do it. You need to speak it out loud, blessings upon them. Listen to my voice. Uh, love me. Listen to the Lord's voice. Love lo the, the Lord your God. Listen to his voice, and... Hold fast to him. You need to hold fast because life is full of challenges. So we need to hold on. That's the overarching scripture for this month. As we go into that, let's talk a bit about choice. It's choice. Sometimes we go, oh, you know, I'm just kind of spoiled for choice. There's too much. Too many choices. We're talking about two simple choices, life, death, blessing, or curse. Knowing that if you choose to love life, you're choosing to love the Lord and keep his ways in how you deal with other people and how you look at life. So it's a whole of life decision. It's the best decision that we can make. Marx said this, you and not your circumstances determine how your life is, whether it's happy or not. Let me say it again. According to Marx, you determine how your life is, not your circumstances. It's your choice to be happy or not. Now I say according to Marx, I don't mean Karl Marx, who we have Marxism, I mean Groucho Marx. He's much more at my level than Karl Marx. I know some of you don't know who Groucho Marx is, and I'll pray for you, because you're missing out on great leadership. Groucho Marx. Now, if you think a comedian who draws a moustache on his face 
is not a good example of f choices. Let me suggest somebody else. Let me suggest Viktor Frankl, who I'm sure many of you have heard of. Viktor Frankl, who wrote several books, but his probably seminal work is called Man's Search for Purpose. And by the way, this book and his philosophy of life, his psychology, psychological approach as a psychologist, was not based on going to the best university and having the best professors. It was born out of life experience, like the best philosophy and psychology is. His experience was as a young Jewish man during the Second World War. And, as happened, was the fate for many of those people, he was sent to a death camp, a concentration camp. In fact, he was sent to Auschwitz. A remarkable story, he was actually sent to three different concentration camps during that period. And he tells the story of being a young man, suddenly having everything that he held dear and was good in his life taken from him. His friends, his work, his home, his parents, his wife. And the upshot of it was, here they were, trying to cut his wedding band off his finger. They couldn't remove it without cutting it off. So here he was in this life circumstance, and they're cutting off his wedding band. And he writes that in that moment, as all of his dignity as a human being, it seems, was being taken from him, he realized that there was a part of that humanity that he had that no one could touch. And it was this, choice. He could still choose. He could choose to live on principle and on purpose, or he could choose to live in reaction to his circumstances, which were dreadful. And any reasonable person would forgive him if that completely misshaped him for the rest of his life. But it didn't. As challenging as it was, he went on to be able to well, help people in that setting. He survived three concentration camps. I have no doubt other people survived because of his influence and his work since his death through his writings as well. He made a choice. He wasn't going to let his circumstances determine who he was at his core. That was for his principles, that was for his purpose in life to override those things. With that in mind, and we remember that God has given us a choice, I want us to consider... It's a short passage from Hebrews. This is picking up on the theme of Moses and giving people that choice. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. And I just want to pick up at verse 22, where I read these words. Hebrews 11, verse 22. 23, sorry. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw that he was no ordinary child... And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Don't have time to go into the background. You probably know it already. The king's edict was 
we need to do some ethnic cleansing in Egypt. We, we need these people, these Hebrews, because they're a workforce, but there's just too many of them. We'll cull some of those infant boys at birth. Moses' mum and dad says in faith, not just as parental love, but in faith, recognizing that there was a purpose on this little life, they did not let fear of what would happen to them if they did not follow the king's edict become the determining factor. They did, in faith, what they believed was their purpose in life, which was to protect this infant at this point. Scroll forward to the next verse, chapter 24. I'm assuming you realize that Moses, by circumstance, found himself in the royal court and brought up like a prince in Egypt. Verse 24 says this, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. When he had grown up, he refused the privilege and the circumstances that he had to be treated like royalty because he recognized by faith that higher purpose that he'd been called to. I love that. It's about growing up. In the new year and the new decade, could I say this? Don't worry about growing older. You might not be so lucky. So don't worry about it. Because it is a blessing if you get to live longer. This is what you should be concerned of. That you grow older, but you don't actually grow up. Because if you live longer, growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Not everybody takes that option. It's true. When Chris and I had little ones at home, and we were very young ourselves, we were in our very early 20s when we had kids, some would say we had a lot of growing up to do, and we did with our kids. And at times when they were challenging, beyond reasonable, we had to remind ourselves, who's the parent in this situation? Because we felt like, you know, a bit of immaturity pouring back, back towards the kids, as you do. And as parents, you go, hang on, who are the parents here? It's us. Now, once your kids have gone through that stage, and you're all grown up, and you're in the world, you have to do something else. In the world of so-called grown-ups, you realize not everybody took that option. They just got older, but they didn't actually mature. So now, in that world, and it applies to business world, family world, church world, you find yourselves in situations where you've got to, you've got to ask the question, who's the grown-up? Not the parent, but who's the grown-up in this situation? Because you may feel like reacting. If someone's pointing the finger at you and saying, you make me, you might want to point the finger back. Who's the parent in that situation? Uh, who's the adult? It's exciting. It's encouraging to see that by faith, Moses became a grown-up. Finding his true identity. That's the, that's the indication when your authentic self in God comes to the forefront. So, he chose in faith not to take the privileged position that he was in and be known just as Pharaoh's uh, Pharaoh's daughter's son. It says this in verse 25. 
He chose instead to be ill-treated along with God's people rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a short time. Excellent choice. Majority don't choose that. They go, mm, short time, pleasure of sin, I'm in. And that pleasure may last for a lifetime, but people are not usually looking beyond that. He chose instead to identify with the people of God. Good choice. man whose name you've probably heard of, Jim Rohn, motivational speaker, written and quoted in many things. He said this, and I don't know whether you buy into this or not. I think there's some truth in it. He said this, You are an average of the five people who are most influential on your life and who you spend most time with. Interesting. He said this as well. I can predict your future based on the five people that you spend most time with. That's a bold claim, isn't it? I don't know if it comes down to five. We had a bit of work on this, Chris and I. We started looking at different stages in our lives. Who were the five people that we were hanging with? And we saw there's some truth in this. It's a good decision for Moses to identify, even in their suffering, with God's people and that's the difference it's associating ourselves in this new year with the people of God even if that's through tough times or especially if that's through tough times so that was his choice it was a good choice it would start to influence him in positive ways in the future verse 26 says this oh by the way there's a time management thing in that one too. The short time of sin as opposed to the long-term benefit. We look beyond this life, obviously, in terms of time management to beyond that. But verse 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking forward to his reward. So even disgrace... The worst day with God's people, with God at the center, was better than the best day of privilege in the household of Pharaoh. I remember seeing a little documentary about Lego and about a guy who was one of those, there's names for them, Lego Mad. What's the name? Lego Master. He was one of those. And he started to develop beautiful sculptures that he would make out of that. But he worked as a lawyer, but his passion was art, sculpture, using the medium of Lego. But he didn't pay the bills nearly as much as the lawyer job. But he made a decision that he would live on purpose and passion rather than just about property and finance. And he went professional. Professional Lego sculptor. You wouldn't think there's a lot of work around for those people. And there wasn't a lot of work around, but he said this. He said, my worst day playing with Lego was better than my best day as a lawyer. About 10 years later, guess what? He makes far much more money as a Lego sculptor than he ever could as a lawyer. But he followed his purpose, not his paycheck. If Moses hadn't made this decision to align with God's people, but instead the treasures of Egypt, where would he be today? 
probably an exhi exhibit in a museum. You've seen them, haven't you? There's the mummy, there are the treasures. Well, that's Moses, by choice. Instead of a funeral service that he had, that God alone attended and officiated at. That's what it says. We don't know where he was buried, but we know that God looked after him in that situation. So he's looking long-term rather than short-term. As we go into the new year, we're looking long-term rather than short-term. Last verse in this section. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Invisible. God. I love what Lauren said the, end, uh, the beginning of the service last week. She said it was a dad joke, but I thought it was a profound statement. She said we're going to have clearer vision in 2020. Get it? 2020 vision. And that's so good. Yeah. So good. And hopefully true. We have a vision statement. We have some things that we'd like. That it's time to initiate this year. This next decade is going to see massive change for us. But this year, in particular, massive changes for us. But it's not about our vision statement, and it's not about our building plans or about our systems of operating the businesses that we have. It's about this instead. It's about us, like Moses, having a clearer vision of God. To be able to see the one who's invisible but present, Jesus, more clearly. We need that, as Moses needed that, because we will find ourselves in dry places and if we take an opinion poll, you know, of popular decisions, we'll probably fail and the leadership will fail. You remember when they took an opinion poll back in the desert, they wanted to kill Moses and move back to Egypt. But he was on purpose rather than popularity. Aaron, not so good. When Moses was off the scene, Aaron was more for give the people what they want, hence the idol. So we have a choice. As for me, my house, which is only two people right now, it's only ever going to be two people. You know, no, you never know. Sarah had a miracle, Christy. <laughs> so it's only two people. But as for me and my house, yeah, I know it will be a miracle. God can do it. As for me and my house, we'll, we'll serve the Lord. What about you? What about you? Will you serve him as well? Do you choose purpose over popularity? Do you choose leaving the certainty of some comfort for the uncertainty of challenge, but in the presence of God. There's a doxology that I want to speak over us all this morning. It's not a prayer so much, but it's this. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you without spot or blemish from the throne of God. To him be all glory, honor, and praise in his church on this day and through this new year. Amen. Let's stand together.